everyone. Welcome back to the Training Edge podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by John Kroom. Um, John is a coach for CTS and is an elite track racer um, who has been pursuing the Olympics and has been living in Colorado Springs in the Olympic Training Center. Um, John also has his own podcast called Coffee and Van Chats. And yeah, thanks, John, for joining me. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me, man. I'm stoked to be here. So today we are recording after um, election day. So how are you feeling? Nothing's really decided yet, but how are you feeling in general? Um, a lot of anxiety for sure. Uh, a lot of stress. Like I've, uh, it was funny, man. It's uh, I saw a like a tweet or something the other day where it was like this really nice person who was just like, and I don't even know who it was. I think it was like reshared, but it was just like make sure that you're getting quality sleep, make sure that you yeah. take a few mental days off, depend, no matter who wins, like that kind of thing. And I was just like, man, this is ridiculous. Like, <laughs> what kind of mental health things do I need? And I literally feel like I've just been through a stage, like a bike packing trip, like where I haven't <laughs> slept. And um, yeah, it's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. And I didn't know I would ever feel like this because I'm kind of like, it's out of my control at this point, you know? Yeah, it's amazing what adds up. I was chatting with some athletes yesterday, and it was something we chatted about. Like it was like, well, what kind of stress are you feeling right now? In general, yeah. it was like pretty extensive anxiety across the board. Well, and um, it doesn't matter who you're voting for at this right. point. Exactly, um, it's stress, and it's it's interesting. Yeah, changes are coming, and it's uh, it's a stressful time. But um, anyway, so we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> veer away from politics. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. Uh, so I actually wanted to start with a little bit of story before we dive into um, the just general questions of the roundtable going back and forth, uh, because that's what we're going to be doing with this. And in this episode, we're just going to ask each other questions just in general, um, share a conversation about coaching and how we take what approaches we take yeah. um, with our athletes. But the story I was going to dive into was how we first met, okay. um, which was like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was a while back. I don't even remember what year it was. Um, and we stayed at your house a long time ago. Oh, man. That's Do you remember nice. that? That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, like, I was thinking of, uh, um, I didn't, like, I was thinking I probably came up to you at a collegiate bicycle race and thought you were really cool. <laughs> oh, um, but but now, I, now I understand the opportunity that I took at this point. Um, I think what I did is I saw... Gateway Harley posted something where they were like, we need housing. And I was like, ah, this is how I get in with the boys. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just put a feeler out there and uh, made sure that you guys had a place to stay. Yeah, it was awesome. I don't even remember what, do you remember what race that, even what, I think it was a crit. I think it was, I think it was a crit. I think it was uh, a part of Speed Week, possibly. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to say it's the last time they did Novant Health Criterium, which is that Criterium yep. in Charlotte that had like so much money money yeah um, i think that's we i think we literally came there just for that purse and then left yeah it was uh it was a lot of money and then uh yeah that same promoter now uh does el paso no way cool yeah. very cool um well thanks for that yeah, yeah <laughs> um, no worries. and so at that time had you been like you hadn't really you'd done a couple races i think you said no i was that eager uh i was that eager cat four at that time nice. where um I don't, hopefully somebody's listening to this and be like, I did that too. Where like you send your resume to not like, I'm not sending my resume quote unquote to, uh, to like a rally or anything. But like, I mean, when it came to like gateway, 
I think Hawkins Berman, like yeah. I'm a cat for it, like Texas Roadhouse, like I'm just bugging all these teams. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it, it was funny, man, like now that I'm, now that I'm, am where I am, but really all I wanted was a group of people to be around and to learn. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's kind of where I was at that point. So that's pretty much why, like, cause like if I ever saw somebody that needed a place to stay, especially in the higher rankings, like, yeah, stay at my house because I'm going to ask you tons of questions. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've come a long way. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, either way, I just thought that was a cool story. Um, so you have, I, I guess, like a quick background on you yeah. um, to get things rolling. What's, uh, I guess, like after that point in time. So at that point, you had already lost like a, a pretty decent amount of weight, right? And the yeah, transition like, from like about 50 pounds or so. Nice. Uh, I was still a hefty guy. I'm still a hefty guy. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I had lost 50 pounds at that point And then, um, before I moved out here, which was, was that like 2015? I think it was. So uh, around that time, it maybe even been late, it might've been closer to 2014, but, um, yeah, at that point I was around 50 pounds down about 2016 is when I lost the even, uh, 100 pounds. Nice. Um, and that's when I started racing at a national level. I think I was cat two on the road at that point, cat one on the track. Um, and yeah, I, I got my first top 10 in a national championship. Sick. Um, what a, I've, I've always been kind of curious because I don't think I've ever asked you what attracted you to the track, like what you got you started on that because you jumped into that pretty quickly. Um, well, it was, it was accessible. Mm. Um, and then... Uh, really, somebody told me I couldn't do it. So I, I was working at a bike shop, and uh, I'm an ex-football player, wrestler, and somebody was pretty much telling me that I couldn't do it. You know, I was too big. Um, and yeah, like with the track, you could race every night. Um, you could race six or seven times in a night, right? Yeah. Um, it just seemed so hard to get to a crit, especially at my level where, like, I'm so used to having um, games every weekend or every week. And, uh, yeah, I, I dove into the track because it was a variable that didn't change. I felt like I was struggling a little bit with going to crits and different courses. Like I'd be good at one course and bad at the other. Whereas the track, it's like, it's not going uphill anytime soon. Uh, if the weather happens, you, the race doesn't happen. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I really just took the opportunity for the track because it was accessible um, and I was learning super quick. Um, it was something I could latch onto really quick. I 100% agree. I mean, like the quick nature of the track allows you to play out several different scenarios just in an, one night compared yeah. to a crit where you w race for maybe an hour and a half and then you get to play out one finish and that's it. Well, and, and there's so many things too to like, there's so many dice rolls, right? So like you can, you could literally do one week where you're just like trying to win to where like once you've mastered that now you try different ways of winning like if you're a good sprinter now try to ride off the front or like like for me like i've gotten to a point where like here um i like i have to lap the field a certain amount of times before i can start to race again um and like race tactically sound so like um like we would do these points race drills here where i would try to lap the field like three or four times within the 100 laps that we had Wow. Um, and the goal for that is, is just something, that's something I could never do at a national level. Um, but it, it's, it's good training, uh, instead of just trying to win, like putting yourself under a pump to give yourself a different training. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, a training adaptation, I guess. Nice, man. <laughs> yeah, I have not gotten there on the track, but that's yeah. that's impressive. Uh, did you did you ever race on Major Taylor? I did. Yeah, nice. that was actually. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that because uh, another reason why I was racing track, uh, I was doing so well, but I was upgrading so quick that it's it's kind of a tight knit community that they weren't mm -hmm. uh, willing to let me upgrade. And they told me that I had to go to another track and it couldn't be Atlanta, which was four hours away. I had already raced. They said I had to go to uh, another track, whether that was T-Town or Indy. And I went out to Indy for the Midwest Challenge. So I drove 15 hours Jeez. to uh, to get my Cat 2 upgrade on the track. So I raced in the Cat 3 field. Um, and I think I, I, I won or got second in everything. Nice. And then I just came home and I applied for my upgrade. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's like my home track, so I love that track. Um, but dang, 15 hours is a little excessive or something like that. I wanted it um, bad, man. I wanted yeah, it bad. Obviously. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do that now. It's not like right. something that I would just do now, but it was like I had this goal of, of, you know, racing at a high level. Yeah. And that's what it took. Have you been? I actually haven't raced T-Town. Have you been to T-Town? Yeah. Nice. yeah. So I actually, the that's why I wanted my Cat 2 upgrade. Uh, the only way I could race in T-Town was as a Cat 2 or a Cat 1. Um, and so in 2016, I packed a car and I lived out there for a month and raced all the UCI races. Cool. Yeah. Man. Ah, back when the UCI calendar was pretty stacked. Yeah, uh, and, it's, and it, it's, it actually has been pretty stacked over the last two years. Um, especially like from the last Olympic quad into this Olympic right. quad. Right. Uh, and it always grows because everybody's trying to score points and get training in. So nice. Okay. Let's dive into, um, coaching questions. Sweet. Let's do it. So, uh, do you want to go first? Oh man. Am I supposed to ask you a question? <laughs> yep. oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I guess, I guess really like, uh, with the whole COVID thing, um, you know, I've even been asking this on my podcast with the coaches that we've had in is, uh, you know, more or less like, how are you handling that with the ath athletes and, and these recent, there's been these recent things with motivation and this might be a loaded question, but there's been these recent things with motivation, eccentric and eccentric motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, kind of what's your thoughts on COVID and how that's affecting motivation and you know, another thing, do you even believe in motivation? You know, I'm hearing this thing where like eccentric and eccentric motivation don't even exist. It's all discipline. I thought it was really interesting. It's something that I looked at the other day. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I just kind of wanted to know what your thoughts are and how are you keeping these athletes on board hmm. and keeping these athletes head straight? Yeah, that is a, that's a great question. Um, and a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's a big one. It's a loaded one because I'm, I'm really, one. I'm really curious. Yeah. Um, because, you know, um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Jason Coop? Uh, it sounds familiar. He's an ultra runner. He works with CTS. Uh, okay. He he wrote like the guide to ultra running or whatever book. Cool. Um, but he had this podcast that came out where he doesn't believe in overtraining. Um, and I remember seeing it and I was like, this is ridiculous. Like that is a, that is a ridiculous topic and my young and naive self before even listening to it. Right. And you listen to it and it actually makes sense. Um, in the sense of, well, there's no such thing as overtraining, just under recovery, under recovering. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, that really opened my mind. And so then 
I'm looking at motivation. I'm trying to keep all these athletes motivated. When in reality, um, we're not really trying to create a very disciplined uh, regimen. Like really all I'm doing is trying to cater to them the best that I can. And I'm wondering, is that where the coaching and um, the scientific part of the coaching, so like the coach coach part of it and the scientific part of the coach starts to leave my bounds. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? So yeah, yeah. am I am I actually worried about them getting better at this point? And this might hurt me, but am I actually worried about them getting better at this kind of point? Or am I just worried about keeping them on the bike? And um, I think that's an interesting question of how co some coaches are handling this and, and you know keeping athletes aboard and afloat for that matter. Yeah, I think it's been really interesting. Like I've had, it was kind of like a, a wave, like a two-part wave where first it was this initial shock of, well, now there's no events what are we doing? And for the most part, I think most athletes held on to some events. And I think most coaches did too. Um, yeah. We're like, all right, well, this initial wave of events isn't happening. So what are we doing with this time? And then it got to this point where like every single race was canceled. Um, and I've heard some world tour guys and some pretty high level athletes say this, but there was almost like a wave of relief once that final big race was canceled um, because that kind of just closed that door and allowed me to kind of like transition uh, most of my athletes just focusing on other things. Yeah. Um, and I think it was kind of two part where it was a, all right, as I think a lot of times coaches are just labeled as this thing that is training somebody for an event. And, yeah. I've, and I've really always tried to uh, push away from that mindset because it's like, okay, no, I want to be pushing you to be the best athlete you can be and it doesn't need to be just for this very specialized thing um and this almost allowed athletes to shake that mentality um yeah. i did have i think I, I think actually i only had one athlete that couldn't take it that kind of like said no if i don't have events i don't need a coach um and but so i was actually kind of shocked because i figured more athletes would be um needing to step away from that regiment um yeah. but a lot really took on this mentality of like well maybe i have a coach to still have some control in my life to still pursue something to make myself better um and to and then like what you know maybe let's find out what the potential is um and what has been so freeing and awe-inspiring and i think helped a ton with keeping athletes motivated um is with that freedom of being able to target whatever we need to target, I was able to all of a sudden target things that we've never targeted before. Yeah. And because of that, um, they saw big gains. I would say yeah. that across the board, my athletes saw greater percentage gains um, than they've ever seen, just because there was more to, to gain on. Um, and that is such a motivator for so many athletes. So I think that that in itself helped them so immensely um and then oddly like again as i mentioned the, the concept of having something that they're in control of in a world that's just like out of control um and then after we got through that wave and now it's kind of coming into this phase of like well what do we do for next year and yeah. when do we take an off season because there's no definitive end date as an event um so then it's been, well, maybe we can take time to do a little bit more soul searching or do some exploration rides. And then um, 
a lot of it's been finding just what invigorates them about being on their bicycle which i think so often gets overlooked to just at least within my coaching calls i forget to ask that like i it's always like here's what your dad is doing this is what our approach is for this next block towards your next goal um and sometimes i forget to ask like hey like did you enjoy riding this past month like did you was that something that you had fun with um and i think that that's allowed both the athlete and i to kind of step back and i'm i think i didn't do this before covid and i should have done it more but every single time i talk to an athlete i'm now asking them how are you doing mentally like what yeah. other stressors in your life are going on um because i kind of expected them to, to come to the table with that they really don't so um i think that has really been healthy too um so i think all of that is probably what has kept my athletes motivated um early on it definitely was a lot of creativity and very challenging because all of a sudden it's almost in a way for a period of time at least it was almost up to me to come up with their goals which is an awkward place to be as as an external person well Um, are you the are you the only one that felt like like i was actually kind of upset to see not upset but like i was like it was really frustrating to see everybody trying to do these everests and and this and that because then my own athletes are like i want to do an everest and i want to do it next week it's (laughs) like oh crap all right you know like we got to have this conversation of essentially like hey like you're already on the verge of quitting um, right. You're well trained. You're gonna want to quit in the middle of an Everest like six or seven times. So we have to talk about that. So like, did you have any of those kind of crazy wacky goals where it's kind of like, and I'm by crazy and wacky, I'm more or less just saying, hey, let's take a step back and let's, you know, you you know, your goal has been to cat up from a three to a two in crit racing or race crits, and now you want to do a probably 15 hour bike ride. Um, so we gotta, we gotta start to, to think about the things that you're going to need, the nutrition that you're going to need, et cetera. Um, but yeah. So what was that like too, for you? Um, I think there, there's a couple things that kind of happened like out of the gate, um, before, like pretty early on, I had an athlete that was like, I wanted Everest, the steepest dirt road in Colorado. (laughs) <laughs> and i was like okay sure um, which road is that is that is that in uh, boulder or? so it's in it's in boulder and it's lick skillet uh, um, okay and he did it on a mountain bike and he did it um wow but so out of the gate i was like wow people are going to come up with some crazy stuff <laughs> yeah um, yeah for sure uh, but i think i was lucky in the fact that the athletes that came up with a lot of those that was kind of their jam already so it wasn't a big ah, hurdle yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, early on, I kind of said to my athletes, like, all right, there's no events, but we still need to make you really efficient and even more dialed towards the events that you really enjoy and what you already are on your goal list if they were to take place at the end of the year. So that helped because that was essentially the first goals that they targeted. And that's kind of when we targeted power curves and stuff like that. So then when they did come to me and say, hey, we've already done all this power curve stuff, I would like to do, 
like, I don't know, the, I want to do a 200 mile ride. Um, and I was like, well, all right, cool. <laughs> um, let's totally refocus. So yeah, I, I did have to have a couple like hard conversations of like, are you sure this yeah. is really, cause this is what it, it took a lot of like, this is the reality. This is, could be the consequence. Are you okay with that? Yeah. Um, kind of thing. But yeah. It's a tough one. Um, so I guess to flip that back on you, what, how did you handle motivation? Uh, well, Andrew. well, just COVID in general, I think it starts with a little bit of backstory. So I took the job with CTS. I was working, uh, I was coaching a little bit on my own. Uh, I had four or five athletes or so. Um, and uh, doing the thing on my own. And then I, I was working as an admin over at CTS. Um, and I got hired on in February. Oh, dang. And, yeah. And so February, things are looking good for the most part. Just there's some crazy stuff going over on overseas. And then, yeah, about five or so weeks later, uh, COVID hits. And, um, you know, it was a new process for me because, like, I had never brought on athletes um, that I didn't already kind of know. Mm -hmm. um, so I was getting assigned athletes that like we had a consultation call and we saw that we fit, um, but I couldn't tell you what they looked like. Um, I didn't really know them yet. And so it was hard to figure out how they worked. And uh, I think it was good for me because I got to see how different people react. And one of the hardest things for a coach, I think, especially like coaches coming in, and I know I did this early on, is that you try to coach people like you would wanna be coached. Mm -hmm. And um, me at the up, like at the upper echelon of, uh, you know, just track and elite athletics on that side of things. Like I didn't see the option for quitting. Like, you know, I just was like, there was no, or just a mental break or anything like that. And, and so it was really, it was really refreshing for me to learn that, you know, there's like, there's people handle things different ways. Um, Cause like I have one athlete on one side that like never wants to look at a bike again, all the way to the athlete on the other side. That's like, heck yes, this is my opportunity <laughs> to get that much faster because I have three extra months, you know, and we can do a weight loss block or whatever. So I think it was oddly enough, I've been telling everybody this has been a great thing for me as an athlete because I've had the opportunity to do bike rides that I would never do in my life that have always been on my bucket list. Um, but then for me as a coach, like it's been really good for me uh, to see the different mindsets and the different, um, um, motivations and, and even disciplines in the sense that, um, neither is wrong, neither is right. Um, but how to handle it as a coach and how to come at it, um, as a, um, uh, with a level head, which actually I think in turn made me a better coach. Yeah. Oddly enough. Yeah, man. Dang. What a time to start coaching. That's like, straight to the butcher block <laughs> yeah uh, and, and i i, I think it running. was like it was like the first time that i actually had the opportunity to like be a coach coach i yeah. guess for the most part like i was just like any other bike racer that had their email in their instagram bio that was like i coach yeah you know but that at this point like i had classes i i, I felt like i had the education in the background mm -hmm. to provide you know anyone anything you know within reason at a certain level and you know i was doing interviews with with athletes seeing who fit kind of my personality mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was it was really cool it was really interesting that's awesome i think yeah that'd be like the even just 
the amount that I've learned this past year on being just challenged by everything that's taken place is just so incredible. So the fact that you got that like straight out of the gate is pretty cool. Um, cause oftentimes you start, at least I did when I started coaching. Yeah. You just, it's just a cookie cutter almost of like what you have, what had worked for you. And then yeah. slowly you start to adapt as you learn and, and you have experience with athletes and, um, Wow. Yeah. That's a, that's well, a big hurdle out of the I, I think what's awesome is like, you know, I was doing this thing, like when I would bring an athlete on, like the first thing I was doing is I was creating an annual training plan. And yep. I know that sounds a bit nuts and a bit crazy in the sense, and, and, and a bit cookie cutterish and a bit cliche in the sense that, you know, that's what a lot of people tell you to do. And then you lay out these blocks, right? And we lay out these psycho cycles and we go, you know, we go micro, we go meso, we go uh, macro, and we kind of just like, we work all the way backwards. Um, but it was nuts how I almost couldn't create a macro cycle. Like I just had to look at every, like I had a macro goal at the end, but I had to look at everything from almost like at the biggest, the meso side of things, mm -hmm. because, you know, I mean, what, they canceled DK, um, like three months out, two months out. You know, and so you, you majority of my athletes at that time that were signing up were DK athletes, uh, Leadville steamboat, same kind of, kind of ordeal. They, they waited a little, they, they canceled earlier, but waited a little bit. And so, you know, it, it was, uh, now it seems, you know, uh, expected that the event's going to get canceled, but back then right. it was kind of like uh, we were still holding on to hope. Right. Um, now it almost seems like the, yeah, there's no chance that that event's happening. And if it is happening, we'll know. Right. That kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was, it was kind of interesting I, that I got thrown out of my element, like from the get go. Like it was almost like I was being tested by the, by the coaching <laughs> gods of essentially like, well, what yeah. are you going to do if this happens? Because it's not <laughs> always going to be perfect. <laughs> it's an exam. The, yeah. uh, so something I've been chatting a lot with my athletes about like kind of now is that refocus to next year. Yeah. Um, and it's tough because usually when you're having a, a chat with an athlete about planning for the, the next year and the build out and kind of the, uh, basically like that ATP and approach, um, the, you know, normally it's like, all right, well, this is a target event. This is another target event. This is how many peaks we can fit in. This is when we do a build, like so on and so forth. And now I've been, really kind of trying to be ahead of the curve this year with my athletes and say, all right, this is the hypothetical and this is what we hope happens. Let's still plan to take advantage of certain other aspects so that if those races go away, like they did this year, you are still achieving something For out sure. of this year and still feeling like you had a successful year. So it's almost like, let's get creative, come up with stuff early on, um, whether or not that's just like, I want to go ride this trail, um, and do it self-supported or something like that. It's like that in itself will give them more confidence. And I've never had to do that, be throwing in more on top of events. Um, so that's been also a new challenge. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, um, you know, that kind of just all the way goes back to your crit racer wanting to Everest right. uh, just to stay <laughs> kind of in the, in the know. And it's funny that I'm sitting here being like, Oh man, that's, that's ridiculous. And it's crazy. And it's like, it's coming from the track racer who, you know, his main event is four laps 
and like <laughs> I went out and did white rim a couple weeks ago, you know, a full hundred miles. And so it, yeah, it's just, I think, I think too is, you know, diving into like off seasons and things like that. And which kind of gets me into my next question, um, to you, but, um, the, you know, with off season and things like that, I think really taking this time to ride and enjoy it. So like, don't take your foot completely off the gas, but also, you know, don't, don't start to limit yourself too much on, you know, the dessert or the, the occasional dinner or something like that to where you're crushing that, that other mental part of you. Yep. So you're still maintaining the riding, but uh, maybe letting go of some of the um, marginal stuff that become major things like nutrition um, in the sense of like, you know, having a burger every once in a while, having a beer, like, um, you know, having ice cream, like enjoying that um, while still training, while still keeping the legs moving, uh, I think is really good for the mental right now. Uh, and that kind of gives you an off season without losing too much of what you built over the last year. Um, my biggest frustration with a lot of these people, like they do all this hard work and this hard press towards the event. And then they're like, Oh, the event's canceled. Well, I'm just, I'm done. I'll come back when the event comes back. And it's like, well, then we got to start all over. Like think about how good you would be if we just keep increasing the gains and keep the build going. Yep. Um, and let you peak and bring it back down, you know, and do your thing. And then we train through it. Like you'll, you'll blow the event out of the water the next year in comparison to your goal this year. But, um, yeah, sometimes it's harder to get across with the motivation. And I think a lot of people think that if they're not a hundred percent at all times, then what's the point, right? Right. Exactly. Um, so I, I did, um, I actually rode the white rim on Saturday, so I'm curious. Oh yeah, I'm curious what your thoughts are on it. Did you do it in a day? <laughs> I did. All right. Did you have a car follow you? No, no. Oh man, so you got some good war stories too. Then hopefully. <laughs> um, which way did you do it? So there's a, um, and I guess like we can explain it to your listeners. But yep. there's, you can either do it clockwise or counterclockwise. Um, you can either go down Schaefer Trail, um, and then up Horse thief horse, horse th i think it is horse, horse thief yeah something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. horse theft which <laughs> the is another big climb <laughs> yeah it's another big climb but it's less elevation gain like in the overall ride um if you go down horse theft um and then uh i think it's uh mineral canyon or mineral something or another mm -hmm. if you go down that and then up schaefer trail it's more climbing and that's the way i did it because that's the way like Keegan yep. and Payson were doing yeah, FKT. It. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I felt amazing okay. until uh, mile 30. Um, and that was the moment that I realized, I mean, not mile 30, uh, 30 to go. until I had 30 to go. Okay, so 80. Um, <clears throat> yeah, 80 miles in. And we camped at the uh, Horse Theft Campground. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so I ran out of water. I had a liter and a half, and then I had two big bottles, which would probably, I probably had about two and a half, maybe three liters of water. Okay. Um, and for you guys that don't know, this trail has no gas station. There's nothing out there. No water. <laughs> um, the closest thing you get to water is seeing these people on these cool 
little excursions and camp trips um yep. that have the jeeps <laughs> um yeah, support vehicles yeah the support vehicles <laughs> yep. and uh yeah i ran out of water and i thought i was gonna die i'm not gonna lie um Ooh. going up going up schaefer trail um was probably one of the hardest things i've done um you know this year on dehydration i had to i pulled over um in one of the because we did it october 5th i think and mm -hmm. the sun is it's good way to do it because of the sun the sun will hide in the canyon um so you'll get some shade coverage um and uh so i'm sitting in the shade and this car comes by and they're like hey are you okay and i'm like ah oh, yeah like i'm fine they're like you look like you need water and i was like yeah i could use some and they popped their trunk and they had oh, nice. um, these uh like a case of water and i just remember she handed me two and i it almost felt like i was doing a TikTok video or a youtube video of <laughs> how fast could i chug water and i just like literally like one sip just slammed it like it was a gel <laughs> and it was insane and so she gave me two more um and yeah like that was the longest last like hour to two hours of my life uh on our bike ride but it, it was a lot of fun it was something that i would definitely do again nice yeah wow, but how okay. was it for you uh you gonna tell me that you got the fkt or something crazy? oh god god um <laughs> so i guess a little more background it's in boab it's a uh, hundred it's like basically a hundred miles on the dime. I was kind of yeah, surprised. Yeah. There's some, most of them are usually over that, but you, I did it uh, counterclockwise um, as well. So I did it the same way you did. Um, and I, funny enough, I actually saw your video that you posted um, a couple days before I went out and did it and was like, Ooh, maybe I should bring a little bit more water. Uh. Um, so I had, uh, I think I had five liters with me. Um, yeah one of my bottles dropped out which i think um lost so then i think i was sitting at like uh maybe four and a half so that it was i was out by the time i was done for sure and you did um, it on a mountain bike right yes 100 percent. Okay. what did you yeah i'm curious what bike did you do it on oh i did it on a mountain bike too but you know i uh had a couple hard men tell me that i i could do it on a gravel bike Oof. and it, it crossed my mental and i was just like dude if if Payson and Keegan didn't do it on a gravel bike, when they definitely have access to it, they definitely can ride those. Um, and they're going for the fastest time, right? So they're not really caring about comfort too much. Mm -hmm. uh, they're really caring about speed. And they didn't even do it. I think it's probably best that I just stay on the, yeah. on the full suspension, which was the smartest thing I ever did. Okay, yeah, because um, I did it with two other dudes. They were on... Uh, full suspension, like cross country esque bikes. Yeah. Um, and I was so jealous of them. That's what the, I was on. By the end, yeah. um, I was on a. I borrowed a bike, so because I don't have a mountain bike right now, and that was. Um, I was very grateful to have the bike, but it was a, it was a beat down. It was um, a hardtail. Um, I think a hundred in the front, and it was. Yeah, I was wrecked by the end, just from uh, my legs were fine. It was just the rest of my body that was really beat down from it all. Well, um, when it does get bumpy on that it does. trail, yeah. it gets bumpy. Like it yeah. gets, like there's a few little spots in there where, like, if you're not kind of checked in, like you crash. Like oh, definitely. Because you just kind of you kind of zone out because you're just it's essentially feels like you're riding like on a dirt road for the majority of it. But there's a few rock sections that can kind of throw you off. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I um, 
I, I'm glad I did it. It's very beautiful out there. It's amazing. Um, I won't do it again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have no desire. Well, um, some, some guy told me, he was like, yeah, if we do this again, we need to do it in three days like everybody does it. And I'm yeah. just like, I don't know if I want to be stuck out there for three days. Like, I'm, all about, I'm all about nature. I'm all about being out in the wilderness. I'm all about camping. But, man, like, if you're out there and if you forget something – you're you're screwed yeah like it's you either you have to turn around and go back or um hitch a ride or something or finish it out and like by the time you hit mile 50 or even even mile 40 like you're just like well if i turn around now i pretty much have done the whole ride right exactly yeah yeah and the the um the finishing climb i I love that climb it's amazing um but it's a toughie i mean it's like 1500 feet of gain in like three miles or something or 2000 feet of gain it's quite it's, a bit it's brutal it's pretty steep it's um yeah we did it over like a little over seven hours so it was like it gave me a lot of respect for um you know like keegan and and payson and all those guys that like really smashed the crap out of that it's like geez i don't yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it, man. I really don't. Like, I, uh, I kind of, I assumed that we would do it in closer to the that seven hour range, like seven and a half, upper seven range, and we, I mean, I think we finished like eight twenty. Yeah, eight and yeah. a half. Yeah, so. it's it's a slog. It is. It's <laughs> rough, man. Anyways, all right, my turn for a question. Let's do it. All right, um, so this is a little bit. I'm curious to pick your brain on this because i think you have quite a bit of experience on this side so high intensity training um or vo2 training um and so we've already touched a little bit on this side of things so motivation um but i'm curious that basically my question is what sort of toll do you believe that vo2 training takes mentally um and then how long is that sustainable and how do you train your athletes on basically the mental side and how to keep digging deep and how to sustain that. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. Um, so my opinion on this has changed. Interesting. Um, over the course of, of two years, like I used to be a guy that was like low volume, high intensity. Um, and it worked for me uh, in some regard. Um, and I got, I got pretty fast, pretty quick. And even as a coach, I had the same mentality, right? Cause it worked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my opinion in that has changed in the sense of building the engine to put the, you know, the little, you know, the superchargers or the, uh, um, you know, the, the little additives on top of that engine, um, into play with the intensity. So my thing is now is I've kind of taken a different approach in the sense of, um, especially with training threshold, um, either, either we need to do one of, one of two things. We either need to train under threshold or we need to train over it, um, in my opinion. Because uh, if we just keep slogging out the effort at threshold, we're not really going to increase it. Um, so can we do long, long under it? And then can we do high, high at a you know, short burst or intense? Um, and so, and then a lot of that is event specific too, in my opinion. Um, but, uh, when I'm trying to keep an athlete motivated and kind of on board for some of that intensity training, it's usually at a point where we're kind of close enough to the event that they're ready for it. 
like I kind of get us to a point where they're almost kind of wanting it um, because we build the engine so big and then we start to focus on, we look for that kind of, not really plateau, but then we start to kind of phase in the, uh, the high intensity style efforts or even the sweet spot um, style efforts into building the engine. But uh, with, with that, like I, I more or less am looking for uh, keeping them motivated while also maintaining recovery. So um, the thing is with those intense efforts, they do zap you. I mean, once you're depleted, F, you know, we've, we've hit that AP, ATP cycle in 10 seconds, right? We've depleted that effort. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, a four minute effort, you know, you're starting to break into aerobic at that point, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's that low intensity stuff that we were working on and trying to build that we're trying to make sure that we still have. Um, so it's, it depletes so quick that, that really, I kind of stray away now from the higher intensity stuff early on. But once we get closer, we start to tap into it uh, for the event-specific style of things. Um, and with motivation, really, at that point, it, they, they're pretty motivated because they're pretty focused on the goal. Um, and if we start to lose the motivation, we start to lose the thought process, I just try to mix it up a bit to, to, to where we can still get the, um, the amount that we need but but also keeping it fresh um you know you see a lot of, like you see a lot of people they do 30 30s or even 20 40s um like high intensity sprint stuff after a while man it's just like it, it gets it gets it gets a bit boring it gets a bit annoying so you can kind of you can kind of finagle it a little bit and do different styles of things to, to still kind of get the workload in and, and and get you know certain responses in like we tried I've tried doing, uh, you know, a pyramid style uh, VO2 effort. So where you do, they're all one minute, but you you limit recovery differently. So you do like 10 seconds on, 50 seconds off, and then your next minute you do uh, 20 seconds on, 40 seconds on, and so on, and you build the pyramid and come down. Um, and that's one set, right? And so just kind of trying to break it up instead of just doing like 10, 30, 30s or whatever. Um, and just kind of always trying to keep it fresh. Do you find it's, a, I guess this is a little bit of a different question, but uh, do you, so within builds, so for example, yeah. like let's say VO2 targeted specifically, and let's say um, true VO2, so above threshold, what um, do you do builds? So like say, for example, you start at one and then go to two and then three and yes. then four and then five, and then like that's how you do that. Do you progress yeah, that way? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think you have to progress the build and you definitely have to know the athlete too, right? right? right. Um, so like for a guy like me, like I could probably handle a little bit more VO2 than, than the normal individual. Whereas like, you know, um, you kind of, and I think a lot of that VO2 stuff also comes into a conversation. Like, how'd you feel? Like, how did how do you feel like it went? And then you also, you know, you also have to look at the power data, like seeing where it dropped off, um, you know, seeing like, you know, if you're throwing your athlete two sets of, uh, let's say 2040s, let's say you start with that um, and they're starting to raise it near the end. Well, I would say maybe start to try to go to a one-to-one -one ratio mm -hmm. um, and kind of get it closer to 3030s. Uh, see how it starts to kind of phase off on that, that, that front. Um, which I also think 
kind of goes back to your last question in the sense of, of knowing the athlete, like when the athlete's just training for the event, that like, doesn't give us enough time to learn the athlete. Right. Um, and so it really helps to learn and know the athlete over the course of time when you're building, especially when you're building VO2 blocks. Do you, do you think that, so within that build, for example, mm-hmm. um, how much do you think that is a mental piece, like a mental training almost, or a mental build as well? Um, it really depends. It depends on the person. Um, I can give, there's some athletes that won't train never like will never ride with me um but if i give them a sprint workout they'll just bang that sucker out or like if i give them an endurance ride they're trying to do sprints at the end of the endurance (laughs) ride like i have those athletes um but i also have the other side of the athlete who you know would rather go out for a five hour ride and i'm you know making them hone in on you know 30 30s or one minute you know vo2 efforts um and so really it's it then goes all the way back to yeah you got to know the athlete and so uh because some of it is going to be motivation oriented and then um some of it isn't but i would say the majority of vo2 effort is going to be kind of a motivation style kind of an excitement style and the reason why i'm saying that is is because of like even just thinking about like a caffeine response Mm -hmm. Um, like if you, you know, if you're jacked up, hyped up, like you're probably going to put out some power. And so I think it's just like having that energy, uh, that motivational energy, that excitement, you're going to get the best out of your VO2 efforts in my opinion. Yeah. I like that. I totally agree. Cool. So, So, yeah. And, uh, but past that, like, I think, I think with the VO2, the vo2 side of things i do think that like if you 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 really have to have the engine to get the most out of those vo2 efforts and that's one thing that i think even me as an athlete lacked on and even me as a coach lacked on with my athletes and i couldn't figure it out so yeah but, i think that foundation piece gets overlooked um, yep people want to focus almost too much on specificity sometimes very yeah um, very that they don't tap into something yeah mm-hmm. Cool. All right. Thanks, John. Um, awesome. These were some good questions. Uh, I'm always super fascinated to hear just how every coach kind of takes it on. Um, yeah. Thank you again. Um, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this. Um, find us on Instagram at Training Edge Pod. Um, John, where can they find you? Uh, yeah. You can find me at John C. Kroom. So that's John, the letter C, and then my last name, Kroom, spelled C R O O M on instagram uh or coffeeandvanchats.com sweet um yeah check out the podcast yeah his podcast is good so check it out um all right guys have an awesome week and uh yeah stay sane out there but till next time uh, keep finding your edge <laughs>